actually have some spiritual brothers that are reading it. I I think it's helpful for men to read it also. So. Yeah. Well, tell us your story. You say that your son, Tyler, was the catalyst for your spiritual journey. Um, talk about, um, and you were, you were telling me about your ministry before we started the show. Yes. Um, so just a little background information. Um, I had joined uh, the Unitarian Universalist Church because I wanted um, a faith tradition that embraced and taught all faith traditions. Um, I had by this time rejected the patriarchal Christian church because it wasn't answering my heart and my longing for the divine feminine and the mother. So when I joined the UU church, it provided a home for me. And I uh, was also working for the Unitarian Universalist Urban Ministry and while um, there, this was probably the first time anybody had done a guided meditation with me. Wow. And I, I, well, I just, it, it, it opened up like my vision. I connected with my spirit self and the um, animal, the, power animal that showed up is the owl, which is also associated with the divine feminine. Mm -hmm. And I actually rode the owl and it gave me this view of everything. And eventually that owl, the mother owl came to me several times while I was learning about how to help my son. And um, he had failed um, kindergarten. And I was, I was like, how do you do that? You know, he's five years old. You can't fail kindergarten. And and so I, that just spurred me on to try to figure out what was going on. Okay. Now, I had been working in the disability field for many, many years before I, I started working for the UU Ministry. So I understood what special needs labels are. And I understood his rights about having a free and appropriate education. But what I really wanted was some spiritual help with this and I couldn't find anything out there and so one of the mothers in the church said asked me if she couldn't bring her son to church and this her son was struggling in many many ways um she said where can I bring him and I went I can do something about this so I eventually wrote several proposals and received funding to looking at the children we label as special needs as not kids that we need to fix, but that children that have gifts to offer the world. Right. And I also discovered that I need to do my own spiritual journey, that this wasn't Tyler's problem. I needed to do my own spiritual journey. So that's what I meant that he launched me on my spiritual journey. It's yeah. when I seriously, seriously return to the longing in my heart. So what I was after to after doing is and found, I wrote a book called Welcoming Children with Special Needs into Our Faith Communities. And I found that if we can create 
a church community around one child to create a beloved community that the entire adult community changed also. And it became a beloved community for everyone in the church. That's wonderful. Yeah. That became my ministry for, I believe that book was published in 2002, and I stopped doing that ministry in around 2013. It was after we had moved to New Mexico from the Boston area. Yeah. So that's what I meant about my son. And I tell you, it, it just, it was an amazing opportunity for me to start this process of a heart-centered spirituality that sees that everyone is spiritual and that absolutely everyone um, does not, that no one needs to be fixed. Absolutely no one needs to be fixed. That we need right. to create a circle that in includes everyone. Everybody. Can I ask how your son is today? How is Tyler today? He's wonderful. In fact, he did the cover of my book. Oh, okay. Well, it's fabulous, you guys. And if you're watching me on YouTube, this is what it looks like. Wow, it's really cool. It's He's, got the um, snake and it's got the egg and it's like the womb, isn't it? Yes, it is. That's a cosmic egg and it's in front of a labyrinth, which I'll explain in a little while. And the and the cosmic egg always has a snake wrapped around it. it it's... it's um, this symbolizes rebirth and transformation. The egg symbolizes the cosmic womb of oneness and unity. And in his mouth are the rose, the Mary, and the lily for Mary Magdalene, which is was my symbol of the divine feminine. Right. Well, I want to get, we, we've got, I have a lot of questions <laughs> for you. Okay. And the first one is, well, you were doing, um, before we get into the labyrinth, you were talking that you had a experience with Kuan Yin. And if people don't know who Kuan Yin is, it's like the female. I always kind of look at her as like the, the Asian Mother Mary or something like that. I don't know. But talk about Kuan Yin because I have a statue of Kuan Yin. I don't know if she's behind me or where she is anymore, but I do have her. Talk about this because not a lot of people do. Yeah, Kuan Yin is the, what I is the goddess of compassion okay and um i was in a um i was in another guided meditation i i've learned to do them with myself and because that for that opens up a lot for me so i was in a guided meditation with kuan yin and it involved my my six-year-old self my inner child okay and when I was uh, holding my six-year-old self and and realizing that the shadow is is kept within our inner child, right. all the stuff that we have shoved away for forever. I mean, I shoved away my feelings forever, and and I could be very very calm because I just kept shoving everything down. Well. Um, my six-year-old self handed me a blank book with the title, Life is a Song of Love. Yeah. And so when I came out of the vision and so forth, I was like, well, that's a very cool title, but I really don't want to write another book. Yeah. I, had written, 
I had written a second book called Don't Fix Me, I'm Not Broken, Changing Our Minds About Ourselves and Our Children, which was influenced by A Course of Miracles. I had become a devoted student of A Course of Miracles. And it was very much a book on how to parent from love rather than fear. And how, yeah, and how to see that um, our children that maybe have special needs labels, that the labels can become self-fulfilling prophecies and we need to let them go if we're going to parent from our heart. So that was that book. And then, so now I'm presented with this one. I've moved to New Mexico. I am, I have since read lots more channel teachings besides A Course for Miracles. And I, um, I really didn't want to do it. I mean, if the truth be known, I really didn't want to do it. I, I loved my contemplative life. I love living on top of a mesa in Georgia O'Keeffe country and looking yeah. at those. <laughs> I, I, I did not want to rejoin the world, if the truth be known. But you were needed. You were needed. You were called. You felt called. I, didn't you? I did. I got called. Yeah. And to sort of preface what the what happened before that calling is that I had read um in another channeling of Yeshua called A Course of Love. And in it he talks about the way of Mary. Okay. And when I heard those words, I immediately felt that I needed to get up and go outside and walk. And there were two hawks spiraling overhead. Mm -hmm. Uh indicating that I was to receive a message and I'm walking and all of a sudden I come to a complete standstill it's like my life just flashed before my eyes and I heard mother Mary's voice say your life has brought you to this point where you are to be an emissary of the of the divine feminine and then of course as I came out of it I was like okay but how and so when Quan gave Quan Yin gave me that book, which was probably a year later, okay, that the how was answered. Okay, okay. And now, then yeah, oh. I'll go ahead. Well, no, I just ha I don't want to interrupt your train of thought. I just have a question. When did you start to channel Mother Mary? And I I prefer to call it transmissions because what happens is. Um, I get, I get this, it's so hard to describe. I just get all of this information and awareness and then I need to put it into words. So like a lot of people who channel, they actually channel the words. Yeah, I was just gonna say I channel, so I'll stop you. My audience knows I channel Archangel Gabriel. Okay. And what I do is, I'll just tell you, I don't care. I bring him in, I bring him all the way in to where he's, right here with me and then I just listen and I write and I write it verbatim and then I put it up on my website and actually I'm working on a book right now with his messages oh wonderful um, right but it's just like you so that's what happens to me I just I listen to what he says and I just write it is that what you do that's that's pretty much what I do okay. um uh, it it's a little different that for the book and and there was there were a couple of places in the book where I actually did receive a channel from the right, right. Like, where I got the words I also you, uh, I yeah. shared one from Yeshua where I actually got the words yes and I read that I read that <laughs> it's but what, in here you guys <laughs> 
what generally happens is, so probably the best way is to explain how the book came about. Because my other two books, you know, I'm an outline type of person. I would, I would, I would, I outline and then oh, okay. I would, okay. this stuff would come through, right? Structure it. You had a whole structure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And right away, that just wasn't working. It just wasn't working. And so I, what I do is I just meditate for a while. And okay. then eventually I heard this, um, well, the heroine's mystical journey is not the same as the hero's mystical journey. So therefore, what does the heroine's journey involve? And I had read uh, Maureen Murdoch's book on a long time ago on the heroine's journey. She had stages within a circle. It was a wonderful book for the time. But I, I'm like, that's not, that's not what I'm hearing. That's not what I'm hearing. And all of a sudden, oh, this requires background too. You know, the, the divine feminine weaves, it folds in and out. It's not linear. And so I don't, I don't rest in that linear space very much anymore. Right. So when I'm trying to put all of this together for people, I forget linearly what happened. Gotcha. So I need to at least provide the background for the labyrinth. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I started walking the labyrinth long before I moved to New Mexico. I oh, found, did you? Okay. Yeah. I'm not, I don't sit very well for a long time, for a very long time. I have right. to move. I, I mean, I, I'm moving now. When I, and so yeah. the labyrinth became a meditative walk for right. me. Right, right. Which took care of this need for me to move. And, and it also centered me. And so I just continued walking the labyrinth. And I had this vague knowledge that it was um, about the Holy Mother, that the right. labyrinth was about the Holy Mother, but I really hadn't thought too much about it. When I got to New Mexico, I live in a place on top of a mesa. I have all this land and all of a sudden I went, I can create a labyrinth. Oh. And I created this labyrinth. I looking at it right outside my window here. Okay. Um, underneath Cerro, per uh, Cerro Peronal, and which is the mountain that Georgia O'Keeffe painted over and over again. Yeah. And out of the absolutely stunning colored rocks of New Mexico. And so my husband was an engineer. He helped me figure out how to lay it out. It's a shark, um, shark cathedral style, 11 fold labyrinth. So it's big. Okay. And I created it, um, took me about a year and a half to collect the rocks and started walking the labyrinth and it opened me up in a totally new way. Nice. I, the, the expansive views of where I live, it's like my heart expanded to the space. And then I had this very definite feeling that I am walking into the heart of the Holy Mother. Because oh, wow. the labyrinth is not like a fate, not like a maze, which is there to confuse people. The labyrinth is a universal path that folds in and out. It takes you almost into the center and then it takes you out again. It becomes like this dance of expression and movement as you move all the way into the center of your heart 
and also of the heart of the Holy Mother. And you can't get lost. And then it, I thought that is the perfect metaphor for the heroine's spiritual journey. Because it's about weaving in and out, folding in and out. We can get stuck on a fold sometimes and we may stay there for a while. And, but then eventually we will start moving and folding in and out. And we always end up in, in our hearts. So once I had that metaphor, then the book finally came together. And yes. then again, the message from Mother Mary was, your book is going to be written the same way, folding in and out. You may not know where it's going to go. You may not know where any of the information is going to end up, but to just trust that it will, and it'll all come together. Yeah. And that's what I started to do. I just started writing. I did not know where I would end up. I did not know that I would um, have a visitation from Lilith and write an, uh, an entire movement. Yeah, I, I want to talk. I want to stop you because I want to talk about okay. this, but I want to kind of preface. So I don't know a lot about this, but I want you to tell me in the audience about this. Lilith was Adam's first wife. This is what I wrote down, and then I'll let you expand upon it. Adam, I'm talking about Adam and Eve, you guys. This is before Eve. Lilith was Adam's first wife, and Adam complained, and so God sent the angels. Uh, he complained so loudly that God sent the angels to Lilith to, the man, to demand that she return to Adam, but she didn't want to. She left Adam. She did. Oh, this story. I mean, we don't hear this so much. And how do you even find out the information on this? I mean, well, believe it or not, a friend of mine who's an astrologer, um, a spiritual astrologer, she right. she was mentioning that Lilith shows up in astrology. And I was like, Lilith, like the Lilith Fair? I mean, do you all have you do you remember? Well, I do. I'm well, yeah, of, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. The Lilith uh, all of the women yeah. singing and so forth. And she became. Yeah. She got adopted by a lot of the feminists because she was the first woman and first woman to take a stand and not um, succumb to Adam's need for her to be underneath him, basically. So that's pretty much what it was then. I mean, she I mean, I just want to make sure I'm clear and that the audience understands her and Adam were together and he was telling her what she should do. And she was like, no, I'm not doing that. She stood up for herself. And then, of course, there is a his story, his story, and there is a her story about this. And the his story wanted to discredit Lilith. And she became, um, you know, they started calling her a succubus, uh, actually a vampire at times. They were trying to discredit the fact that she left Adam. And then they said they had this huge war. I'm sort of very quickly paraphrasing and um god demanded that she kill all of her children which she was birthing parthenogenically and um and so she became she became a witch that destroys children so they tried to destroy her reputation her story is of a very strong woman who knew that there was a mother face to god and that it wasn't not only the father uh, face and that this authoritarian, violent God was not who she knew God was. 
which was a balance between masculine and feminine energy. Thank you. Yeah. And so that's that's what started it. She Let's also go ahead. Uh, came out of Africa. I am sure she had black skin. I am sure she's the first black goddess that we've talked about. And um, her story. So I did. I did do some research. I had to. I had. You said, I, you said that she was banished to the Red Sea, and I kind of wondered if you would elaborate on that. You say that God. Um, banished her to the Red Sea, and um, then she formed. Then it says she formed a snake, and uh, she formed into a snake, and she's the one that um, convinced Eve to eat the apple. <laughs> I was like, "What? Talk that's, about this." Okay, that's true, and that was also to discredit her. But in many ways, she and Eve were were sisters, right? Okay. And and. Um, she was trying to help Eve. The her story would be she was trying to help Eve because eating the apple actually brings in a lot of wisdom and so forth. We, you know, we can interpret things from how they tried to repress the divine feminine and the holy mother face of God, or we can see the true story. And of course, all of this is, you know, myths can lead to um to understanding. And who knows? I mean, Lilith is uh, recognized in many, many faith traditions. And I'll have to admit, I have forgotten some of the research that I put in the book. No, I'm just, you know, I have to say it was what really stood out to me more than anything, because I've always felt intuitively that there should be a balance, you know, and you also talk about this in your book where, you know, we all, all the women try to be like the men and I can relate to that. I got into the real estate industry in Albuquerque for many years and I had to wear a suit and I had to be like the guys to make the money. I was a single mom. I'm just giving this as an example, but it's what we have. And when I was reading your book, I guess what really hit me, which has never hit me before is why do we do this? Why in the world do we do this? <laughs> well, there's a lot of theories about that. And, um, and you know, a lot of it comes down to a lot of the whys of, of why would we keep incarnating to an earth that is so violent and there's so much trauma and so many wars and all of that. So the answer that, that feels, feels right in my heart is that at the soul level, um, remember God, God is, there's not a definition for God. I mean, God is the all that is. I mean, it, there's, there's, it's not a person up there, it's what we've been tried, we've been taught. Well, so, we've been taught we were made in his image is what we yes. were taught. Right. Right. Okay, so and the only truth in that is that, yes, we come from the holy, the cosmic mother's womb and the divine feminine is what gives birth with our, we're creative. We have an immense amount of intuition and creative abilities and wisdom. And that comes from the holy mother, but for patriarchy, and the power over paradigm to take hold, they had to suppress and pretty much get rid of all of the wise women in the world 
And so over thousands of years, we were, um, were afraid to speak our minds. I mean, I think a lot of people talk about the burning times as- Well, the- yeah, I was probably burned as a witch. <laughs> Yes. you know but we're back but we're back so we are here so Sally we are here and we're not going anywhere no so what you're saying is that at the soul level both uh both the masculine and feminine energy agreed that we would experiment with this idea of being separate from God and that the purpose was, for the masculine energy to feel what it's like to lose their heart and their feelings so that they could ascend uh, and descend once again into their heart in a new way. Um, and, And so the women agreed to let this happen. And I think probably uh, at least my feeling and a lot of, a lot of women that I talked to about this is that we had no idea it would get this bad. Well, okay. I want you to repeat that. I want to understand this. So we agreed to let them be on their own, not influence them, let them go to God themselves without our influence. Is this right? And they've totally botched it. They have. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe that's why we did it. Yes. Well, that's, that's possible. Um, I'm sorry. Well, I I do believe that um, this is the process of transition that we're in now. I mean, it may look really bad out there, and it is. However, um, everything below the surface has to come up to be healed in the light of the universal mother, father, one. Right. And I'm going to stop you for a second. I want to tell you something and I'm going to, I'm going to tell the audience too, because, and let me just tell everybody, thanks for watching the show all the time. And thanks for, you know, I bring such great guests in and thanks for supporting us because every guest that's been coming on the show in the last couple of years, really the last year, I say more than anything has talked about going within every everybody's got a little bit of a different take or maybe a little different approach but it's always about going within. And I'm going to write read something that was in your book. You say, as within, so without, means we listen to the voice within our God self. We begin to create the world outside of us from love. That's it. That's it. That's it. And the only opposite of love is fear. Right. And we cre- I don't know who created it, but it wasn't from God. No, no, we created the fear. Right. That's what I think too. I think some people, I had a lady on the show and she thinks it's a dark entity that created the fear, but I think it was humanity that created the fear in itself. itself. And, and, but, but, but remember, because we are all sons and daughters of, of the Holy mother, father, that, um, the Holy Mother Father enfolds everyone. That's right. So even, and that means enfolding the fear. So the fear is enfolded within all of this. But 
God didn't create it, we did, because we wanted to experience what it would be like to be separate from our source. Right. Now, do you believe that as we go in and we realize, because I've realized, you know, I have to tell you, the real love that I have felt in my life is from God. It's not from any person. It's not from anything. It's the love of God has changed my entire life. And so you can't tell me there isn't a higher source because I know there is because that's how it's changed me. So what I think is, and I want to know your opinion, I feel like we all have to go in, we all have to realize, we all have to connect back, and then we can ascend. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. But I, I, um, I'd like to modify that a little bit because okay. what we're doing is for the first time ever, we're create, we're becoming fully human and fully divine. Yes. And when we reach that place of being fully human and fully divine, then we will create the new earth. Absolutely. And the new earth, yeah. So what people, some people call the age of Aquarius. Some people say that we are moving into the fifth dimension, whatever. This is why we have done all of these, this work of incarnating and gone through all of the struggle and the trauma and the pain and all of the sadness and all of this stuff is so that we could ascend into our heart, which is, a dis, it's also dis, descending. It's ascending and descending. And you know what I'm saying? I know exactly I'm, what you're saying, but we have to get there. We have yes. to get there. And, and I want to say that we've all chosen to be here right now to do this. Yes, we have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everyone. Yeah. And we some have our little part to play. Yeah. And some have agreed to play the, the bad guy, to put it bluntly. Let's talk about that briefly. And I don't want to get in because I, I don't want to be too negative. But, you know, we've got all these wars going on. We've got Israel. We've got the Palestinians. We have this stuff going on over in Ukraine. Um, a lot of people say it's just a ruse. It's a distraction. And, and, you know, when I channel Gabriel, he says, you know, we're not being given the truth, which we're not. We don't really know what's going on. But what do you feel on on that uh, spectrum? You know, do we have to go through all this? Do we have to fall completely down before we can go back up? Or what do you think? I, uh, I have to believe, I have to, okay, I have to have this faith that there is a purpose beyond my understanding right. for the, all of the conflicts. And what I realize is that it is ancient, 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 what's happening now. And it's so ancient that we can't quite understand all of what's, what's happening. So the only thing I can do is have faith. Right. No, we're not going to blow ourselves up. No, we're not. And that, yes, this, once it resolves, then it's going to be a major, major change. Once we resolve these wars that are happening right now. I actually do believe that in 10 years, we will see ourselves well on the way to uh, creating the new earth of divinely human beings. Mm -hmm. uh, we won't be there yet, but we will have, we will not, we will have that focus and we will know that that's the way we're going. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's where I have faith. And 
the only thing that I know that I can do is to continue to love myself, to continue to forgive myself for any anything that, and, and in the mother-daughter patriarchal womb, when we get to talking about that, I start talking about loving the unlovable and forgiving the unforgivable. Well, no, let's talk about that because you do a whole chapter. This is a lot. There's a lot of information in here, you guys. And her and I could be on here for two hours. Trust me. There's you talk about forgiving mothers, daughters, sisters, and ourselves. And, you know, it's true. We have to, let me just say this. And then I'll, somebody said to me, I was talking to a girlfriend of mine and she said, astrologically right now, she said, we've got like six months to forgive all these different people. This is the time that we're supposed to forgive. And I was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense because this person keeps popping into my head and this person keeps popping into my head. And as they do now, I'm like, oh, maybe I never forgave them. And so I'm making a you know, uh, effort to say, Oh, I understand. Maybe I didn't, for whatever reason you did what you did, I'm not going to take it on. Do you know what I mean? And it's releasing. Um, but what do you know about that? And what do you know about the forgiving? Like what did Mary say about forgiving and all of that? Well, um, <laughs> one of the things I do want to say is that so much of this book was a transmission and I literally lived it while I wrote it. I mean, everything I wrote about was happening in my life at that time. That was why it was folding in and out and weaving in and out because I would be living something and then it, that piece of it, like the anger I had at patriarchy showed up in the book of anger. And that's when Kali Ma showed up to show me how to turn it into fierce love. Um, then my my daughter came and she talked about how she had felt um, that I hadn't loved her as a child because I had not hugged her as much. And that took me really deep into learning about how I'd been raised by my mother and her mother before that and so forth uh, down the, the the female line. And I and there was so much coming up and Sarah and I were working together and healing our relationship. And uh, when I first realized that in like when she was a child, she um, didn't, she couldn't, she just felt that because I wasn't hugging, hugging her that I didn't love her. But then she always knew that she could come to me and that she could tell me this and I wouldn't get angry. But it was heartbreaking, the stuff that I was doing. I had Let me ask you a question. Did your mom yeah. hug you? I, you know, when I think about it, I think I came in with the fear of hugging. Yeah, because my mom never hugged me. And I'm bringing this up for a reason. My mom never hugged me. She was a narcissist and she never hugged me. But my dad did. And I would wait. I can I can relate to your daughter. I'm going to tell you this. I would wait for my dad to come home every day from work to hug me. And so when I, when my kids were born, I'm a big hugger, like I'll hug people like, and you know, and you can tell if they like, look at you like you're nuts or whatever, but I don't care. I'm a hugger and I'm a hugger because she wasn't. Yes. And I became a hugger. <laughs> oh, that's I why I asked you the question. Like, was your mom, was your, did, is this her? I, no, I don't. I don't remember very many hugs from my mom and yeah, she was very see? loving. And yeah. But what I learned 
in all of this. And there's it's so complex and it's very hard to explain all in, in, in this. But I learned that with all of the repression of the divine feminine energy and the mother face of God, we became the prime purveyors of patriarchal conditioning. And the women had to do that. We were the ones giving birth. And so uh, we passed this on. And I focus on the daughter. Obviously, we passed it on to our sons, our to our non-binary, our trans children, our whatever. We passed that on because we are the ones that gave birth. And so, and we were conditioned right. to condition them. And we became... I mean, when we lost all of that wonderful wisdom, all of that nurturing, wonderful wisdom, our connection with Mother Earth, all of that, we became angry. Right. And we learned that we were fearful of men. And we became afraid of men. And we, uh, for good reason, we became afraid of men. And we look for their approval. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know. So that's the domination. And so now that the uh, divine feminine energy is has returned, then women are beginning to heal themselves from victimhood. Okay, because when you say it's returned, cannot. when you say it's returned, how do you, how has it returned? How has it returned? How do you know it's back? Because of all of the energy that's pouring down on us now. Okay. Tons of energy. Just if you feel into it, it is extraordinarily loving and it's enfolding all that is happening right now. And I realize that that the best way we can help is to remember and return to that loving mother energy and then learn how to balance both the divine masculine energy which is significantly different from the distorted masculine energy that we are familiar with in fact it took me a very long time to even understand what divine masculine energy was because i was so affected we've all been so affected by the distorted energy but when we bring balance inside of ourselves and understand that our masculine energy is protective, and it is also the um, it's also the clarity that we need, and it's the grounding that we need for the chaotic feminine energy to create and manifest has to be grounded. And so we need to be grounded in our masculine energy, so that our that now that our wisdom and creative and wonderful wise women energy is returned we can now manifest the new earth and this also needs to happen in men they they yeah. need to do the same thing and in many ways i think patriarchal conditioning has in some ways serviced them even worse than women because yeah oh yeah well, I just feel like men are lost. I really do. I feel that way a lot. And, you know, I'm not trying to make a separation. It's what I see. It's what I feel intuitively. I see that, um, you know, there are so many women that are so disgusted with men that that's why we see women with women, which is kind of, to me, not how it's supposed to be. And because it's like the men have not stepped up. You see so many fathers who father children and then they don't step up to take care of them they 
leave and they go try to find themselves. And when they can't find themselves, it's usually, you know, a bad deal. They end up drugs or alcohol or something like this. I don't feel like, like my father was more of a manly man. You know, I always felt like, you know, he had good morals and principles and things like that. And I just feel like the male has really lost some of that. Well, they certainly have. If you think about it, we, we, uh, for our, for our sons, I mean, they were not, they were taught not to cry. They were taught to stuff all of their feelings. Of course, we stuff it also. So that's, that's there, but yeah, yeah. But they had to lose their heart and their feelings in order for them to carry on all of these wars. You know, there's no way they would do that unless that had been so suppressed inside of them. That's true. And so uh, because we are women, we always, not all, I mean, I mean, really, there's a whole range of women and we've all been angry for a very long time. Right. Some women have managed to heal that anger into fierce love. And some women never became that angry that they became toxic. But there are a lot of toxic mothers. There's a there. lot of bitter people, out, a lot of bitter women out there. <laughs> there are. There are. So I, um, I, I definitely do not want to make the guys the bad guys and the women the good, the good girls. But well... But yeah, that's kind of what it's become though, to be straight with you. I mean, that's how I feel. I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like women are, are so wise. And if women were, this is what I really feel intuitively. And I just feel this way. If women were running things right now, we wouldn't have these wars because. Yeah, some you know, women would still, I mean, look at some of the women that we have. That's true. Our- but I, you know, the <laughs> compassion, you talked about compassion. You know, yeah. and when you have compassion, you know, there are, I don't know, there's a lot of craziness going on in the world and we can't solve it all here on the program today. But I will say that I feel women are very wise and that we are not given credit for our wisdom. Absolutely. We're not given credit. And in fact, if you realize that the men that are in power and want to hold on to separation consciousness, I feel like they're holding on. like we're Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Is that they're scared to death of the compassion and the chaotic wisdom of women. I mean, it scares them to death. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons why everything is feels like it's going backwards. But I think it I really feel like it has to go backwards before people feel that, oh, this is this is not what we want for us on this earth. Right. And to do it in a different way rather than just having wars and fights and conflicts right it's got to get worse before it gets better i'm really glad you put this together this was a um a labor of love i'll say yes it was yes it was i can tell i can tell and it really changed you i mean talk about that real quick before we get out of here oh i can absolutely say i am not the same person i was when i started uh, writing the book i i mean there was I, i when i was writing the book i was having severe back pain and sometimes I would just have to crawl around on the floor and that's when I realized I had stuffed so much in my life in into the shadow and into the back and so that required an immense amount of healing and that happened in the book um I kept (laughs) I kept uh and then then this mother-daughter patriarch alone when I started the book I didn't have a clue what that was 
And in fact, not very many people do. More and more women are now writing about it. But when I started, I could only find one therapist that would talk about the mother-daughter wound. So it's really um, that that healing that I have been doing and still doing with my daughter was major opening up ways to forgive myself, ways to forgive others, ways to have compassion for all of us who've been conditioned. I mean, we cannot have been on this earth for so many lifetimes without having been conditioned um, into uh, the um, separation consciousness. And I call patriarchy as a tool of separation consciousness. Mm-hmm. I think though, I'm, I'm very positive. I really feel like this is it, you know, we're at the tipping point. I really do. I feel like, because I interview so many people and I'm so excited to see a change. And even though there's so much craziness, I see the change coming. Do you? I do too. I do too. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys, all right. Now, if people want to get in touch with you, do you have a website? Yes. And I did. I just revised my website around the book. So almost all of the information on my website is about the book. So it'll provide, you know, stuff like fierce love and the and the the patriarchal wound and all of that is in the website, too. Sort of glimpses of it. It's life of a song. A life is a song of love dot com. No, no, it's um, my regular um, website is called embracechildspirit.org. Okay, embrace, I'm going to put this up for people, childspirit.org. Wow, you've done some phenomenal work in your lifetime. I have to, I'm so glad you came on the show today. Oh, no, you really have. God bless. You've done some really amazing stuff. You guys, Sally Patton, Life is a Song of Love. And it came out November 1st, yes? Actually, it came out the end of October. It was a, a few days early. So, okay. Okay. Well, yeah, you can Amazon, Barnes and Noble. I I understand it's at some independent bookstores. I don't know which ones, but cool. Well, thank you for putting it together, and thank you for talking about the divine feminine and talking about the balance. We really need to get the balance back. Yeah. Thank you, Nancy. I really okay. appreciate being on the show. You're welcome. Hey, before we get out of here, you guys, I have to talk about my events. I'm very excited. So in February, I'll be in LA the 9th through the 12th. On uh, the 10th, I'll be talking at the Conscious Life Expo. I'll be teaching you how to connect with your guardian angel. And I will be talking about spiritual law. And then in March, I will be Boca Deerfield Beach, Florida. And I'll be at the New Life Expo. And I'm going to be speaking again about spiritual law and talking about how to connect with your guardian angel because everybody has one. And there's a new message up on my website, nancyurelt.com from Gabriel, Archangel Gabriel. I'm working on a new book, you guys. If you want to pick up my other one, it's just been relaunched. Wake up. The universe is speaking to you. Everyone have a fabulous week. Uh, Thank you again for joining us. I really appreciate all support. And God bless.